It was fun watching expressions. The second song didn't sound like a hymn from 1907 to some of you, I think. Here's the interesting thing about that. That, um, that song, um, it was Beethoven wrote like in the 1800s, the tune to that. And then the other guy in 1907 wrote the words to that. He based it off this psalm. Josh was saying that. Psalm uh, 7123, here, here's what it says. I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. See, we can shout for joy. Actually, it's Christmas. This is a birthday party, right? right. So Merry Christmas. We're going to start a little bit different. I'm visiting. Welcome today. If you don't know me, if you're first time visiting, welcome home. Glad to have you here at Christmas at Journey North Church. I'm Tim, and I'm a grandpa. Have, have, hi. I have four, four grandkids. That's one of my grandkids. No, I'm kidding. I have, I have, I have four grandkids. I, I have to say, I, I have to be careful because my kids are listening to this right now. Being a grandparent's way better. <laughs> <laughs> Being a parent was cool. You have to go through that to get to the grandparent thing, but it was cool. But, but one of the things that, that is cool is being able to read stories. So we're going to start a little bit differently today. I, I, my, my daughter, actually, for, for her child, my, my, my granddaughter, um, got a book, and we saw this book. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's kind of become my new favorite Bible. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, it's, it's not just good to read to the kids because it's, it's incredibly deep, but it's incredibly simple. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be Grandpa Tim. And we're going um, to all pretend the fire's going in the fireplace. And we're just going to... I'm going to read the Christmas story for you um, from this perspective uh, uh, from the nativity, from Luke 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised at the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. I probably should show you pictures too. (laughs) I would do that. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning... This girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her room. He was Gabriel and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, And he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Call him Jesus. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby 
wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel answered. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she says. Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full. Every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon, maybe soon, Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble-down stable, so they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and donkeys and cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us because, of course, he had. That's... That's the what. That's the what of the Christmas story. If you have your worship folder, there's an outline for you to follow along with, and you might want to write some things down that you're going to need to remember. But the what of Christmas, what happened that first Christmas, it's obviously incredibly important. But there is something just as important, and maybe for you, Maybe even more important for you this Because my guess is you've heard the what before. But do you really understand the why of Christmas? Why we have it. Why we give gifts. Why we gather. Why we sing Christmas songs. Why we celebrate Jesus. Why we light a candle. Why we desperately need Christmas. Do you ever think about in all the busyness of the season, why he came? Let me ask this. Why did you come? For the last few weeks, as I've been preparing for this, I've been thinking about that. And I asked God to just give me a heart that would, that would connect with yours, that would feel why you came. Because maybe you know exactly why you came. And on the outside, it's, yes, we're celebrating Christmas. It's the Christmas service. We always go to the Christmas service. It's candlelight. But maybe on the inside, that's not why. Maybe you knew deep down inside that you needed something more. And maybe some of you came here today with a loneliness inside. And you wouldn't have it outside for everybody to see. But it's in there. Maybe, maybe broken in some area. With, with that, that feeling inside maybe of discouragement or hopelessness. And maybe there's just a little bit of you hoping that maybe, maybe there's an answer there. 
Maybe there's something there for, for this anxiety that I have, for this anxiousness, for the fear that I came in with this morning. Maybe it's just stress because of the season. Maybe it's stress because of things that are going on. Maybe there's some disbelief or some doubt. Maybe there's some bitterness. Maybe there's some relationships not where they should be and there's some conflict and there's some unforgiveness and that's what you're coming in with. Maybe you're coming in this year with a loss. Maybe it's a loss that you've been experiencing for a while. Maybe it's the first Christmas with that loss. And you're coming here and you're wondering, is, is there hope? Is there an answer? You see, this is so important. I looked for a way that you could be reminded of the why during the season that would remind you often, and I found a way to do that. It's a really sweet way to do that. So here's what we're going to do. I have a gift for you. Everybody gets a candy cane. You don't get one like this, I'm sorry. We're not a rich church, but there's going to be candy canes coming, and here's what I want you to do. Very important instructions. Take one hot basket on. Everybody look up here. Do not unwrap it and start eating. No eating the candy cane during the service. This is for after. What I don't need is all through the service hearing wrappers unwrapping. This is, this, I understand it looks really good, but this is something that, that you can have afterwards. But this is, what we're going to do is we're going to help you for the rest of the season as you look at this candy cane or other candy canes, you're never going to look at it the same way again. Candy canes have a story behind them. We're not 100% sure of all of the story, but we know some of it. The truth is, whether it's all 100% true or not really doesn't matter because we can still use it to remind us of some very powerful, significant, life-changing truths. The story starts, I was going to say in the 1600s, it actually starts in the 1400s when a guy invented a candy that was a, it was a white stick made out of sugar. You know what they called it? A sugar stick. Because that's exactly what it was. It was just sugar made into a stick. And um, that was 1400s. A couple hundred years went by. And in Germany, in, in the 1600s, early 1600s, in a church in Germany, one of the things they did every year was they had a living nativity. They had the, 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 the stable and the manger, and they had real people dressed up, and they had a choir, they had a kid's choir, and during various parts of it, they would sing. And one of the things that the choir director struggled with every year was keeping the kids busy. Because when it wasn't turn, their turn to sing, they're fidgeting, and who would have think kids fidgeting in church, you know? But they're fidgeting, and he's trying, and, and so he came up with something. He went down to a local candy confectioner, and he said, can you take this sugar stick, and can you make a bend in it while you're making it, so that, that, so that it would be shaped like this? The guy said, yeah, I can do that. So that, that Christmas Eve, he came, and with all the little kids in the choir, he, he passed out a candy cane to all of them, first candy cane, little thing, and he explained to them, um, this, this is the, it's going to remind you of the shepherd and the shepherd's staff, and, and what, how he used to take care of the sheep with that and stuff. And the kids thought that was cool. The other thing it did is, unlike you, 
they were allowed to unwrap theirs and eat it, and it kept them busy. Of course, the parents afterwards weren't real happy because their kids were now all high on sugar from church, but um, can you imagine what would happen if you ate this during church? This is over 1,800 calories. This is like your daily requirement of calories in a candy cane. You wouldn't sleep for a week if you had this. But here's what he did. He did this to teach them truth as well as to keep them a little bit busy. And then a couple hundred years after that, a couple hundred years after that, they were infused with the peppermint that we, we know and love the taste and the stripes on them. And we can take this candy cane now and we can use it to remind us and teach us eternal truth. There's many things that were actually made to teach truth. Like, did you know the pretzel? You know what a pretzel is. You know how the pretzel is shaped like that. Did you know that the pretzel was made, invented by a monk to teach kids about the Trinity? And each one of the holes in the pretzel is Trinity. We could get into that, but we're not talking about pretzels today. We're talking about candy canes. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to never look at a candy cane the same way again. I want it to remind you of things that are so amazing, to remind us of the value of Jesus and of Christmas, the whole why. So here goes, the candy cane. The candy cane is crooked. Remember, he, he took it, it used to be straight, and they, before they, they hardened it, they made it crooked. The candy cane is crooked for three reasons. The first one I told you already, it's to remind us of the shepherd's staff. The shepherds who visited that night, they were visited by angels, and then they went and visited in the stable in Bethlehem, Jesus laying there in the manger, and, and Joseph and Mary. And it reminds us of those shepherds and the shepherd's staff. And you know, for me, one of the things that that does for me is those shepherds, when I think that that's who God appeared to, to send them to the manger, it reminds me that Jesus came for people like me, like those shepherds, outcast, you know, discounted, looked down on, forgotten people, because that's what the shepherds were like then. Government that Jesus came. It wasn't to the self-absorbed, you know, high and mighty rich. It wasn't to the hoity-toity religious people. It wasn't to anyone that the world views as important. It was to a poor couple who loved and follow God regardless of the cost and to some shepherds out in the field. I love that. So it reminds us of the shepherd's staff. The second reason the candy cane is crooked is this. It reminds us that our hearts are crooked. You're crooked. I'm crooked. Look at the person next to you and say, I like you, but you're a little crooked. Go ahead, do that, do that. Okay, that's going south quick. That's, that's good. Let, let me ask this question to bring it back. Let me ask this question. Anybody here never sinned? You're absolutely perfect. Can I see your hand? Yep. See, that just demonstrates how broken we are because we're all crooked. None of us is perfect. We all have this bent this sin nature. Here's how it says in Romans 3.23. All have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. You say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. It doesn't matter. You're not perfect. 
That's the standard. But this is where Christmas comes in. Because God knew that our hearts were crooked. He knew we were sinners. And he sent Jesus to be our Savior. That was our greatest need. That's my greatest need. It's your greatest need, even if you don't know it. It's that you're sinful, we're sinful, and crooked and in need of a Savior. So he sent Jesus to be our Savior, to draw us to God, kind of like that shepherd would use his staff to draw the sheep, to take them to the right place, to take them uh, to, so that they could find pasture or to lead them out of peril or trouble. He sent Jesus to draw us to God. And then the third reason the candy cane is crooked, and this is where the answers start to come into play for us. If I take my candy cane and turn it like this, then the J reminds us of what? See, y'all answered Jesus because in church, the correct answer is always Jesus. There, I remember this story of a pastor who was given this little pastor's kid's sermon before the, the service started, and he had all little kids down there, and he would try to keep them engaged and interact with them, and he was telling a story about a squirrel, but he hadn't said what it was yet. So he said, okay, he said, here's a question for you. What's, what's gray and furry and has a fluffy tail that's shaped like this, and it scurries around the yard and runs up and down the trees? Nobody said anything. And he's like, come on, guys, you know what this is. And one little kid's like, and he says, okay, little Johnny, you know the answer I can tell. He said, well, I want to say it's a squirrel, but I know the right answer is Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) We're in church. It must be. When you see the candy cane, that's what I want you to think of. It reminds us of Jesus. In Matthew 1.21, it says this. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. We have crooked, sinful hearts, and we can't save ourselves. Therefore, Jesus. The name means, his name means the Lord saves. Christmas, it is all about Jesus Christ. That's what the the shape of the candy cane shows us. But you look at your candy cane and you see that it also has stripes on it. And the candy cane has red stripes to remind us that Christ shed his blood to heal our crooked hearts. That's what we're reminded of when we see the red. It reminds us he came to earth for one reason, to save us. And he would provide that way some 33 years later when he was brutally put to death for us. He literally came to die for you and for me because of our sinfulness and our crookedness and our inability to save ourselves. We've already admitted we aren't perfect. And you can't make yourself perfect if you could do it. You'd have done it already. We can't. He came because he can fix our flaws. He can make us healed and whole And well again. Some 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet had a lot to say about Jesus and how he would come. 700 years before he was born, 
He talked about his birth, he talked about his life, he talked about his death, and then Isaiah 53, one of my favorite chapters, in writing 700 years before Jesus was born, here's what he said about him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him, and by his stripes, by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. Your pain, your depression, your anxiety, your addiction, your whatever, fill in the blank, can be healed in Christ. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. And those stripes were, were looking forward to when Jesus had his back whipped. And, and literally, stripes where the blood flowed, not for him, for me and for you. It tells us in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It tells us in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That was the only way that it could happen. And that's what the red reminds us of. And you know, candy canes, not all of them, but most of them, the ones you guys have and the ones I have, they have that one big red stripe that reminds us of that. It also has those three smaller stripes. You know what those are to remind us of? There's a reason that they're on there. They're there to remind us of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. When Jesus shed his blood for us, he died. When he rose again and ascended to heaven, he sent the Spirit to all of those who would believe in him. And why is that important? Because when God's Spirit lives in you, you can walk in the Spirit. You can walk in his power. You can have wisdom that you didn't have before. You can make better choices because of that when you follow him. You see, the Father loved you enough to send his son for you. The son loved you enough to die for you. The spirit loves you enough to live inside you to give you something better. It's, Christmas is amazing. The why is so encouraging and uplifting to me. The simple candy cane is trying to tell you how valuable you are. That your self-worth is not because of your net worth. It's because of how valuable you are to God. And the red stripes remind us of all that. There's also white. The candy cane is white to remind us of two things. The first one is this, Christ's perfection. He was perfect. When I think of perfection... One of the things, one of the images that comes to my mind when I think of that, especially this time of year in Minnesota, is fresh new fallen snow. I know we had some and then it melted, but because of our Christmas services, God provided just a little, just enough to make it pretty. I think of that snow, fresh new fallen snow, beautiful white snow. How many of you have ever, when it's snowing and the big flakes there, you walk outside and you stick your tongue out and you catch a snowflake on your tongue? How many of you have done that? Let me tell you this. Don't eat the yellow snow. That's just public service announcement. You don't even need to know why. Just don't. White, clean, pure snow. 
I love that image, not messed over by muck or dirt or, you know, footprints or tire tracks or anything, just fresh new fallen snow. Here's what 1 Peter 2.22 says, talking about Jesus, he never sinned. He never lied. He never deceived anyone. Can you, he never sinned, but he never lied or even, even deceived anybody. And yet in his perfection, he said, I would rather die than live without you. Perfection gave up his life for imperfection. That's us. So the candy cane is white to remind us of Christ's perfection, but the second one is mind-blowing. It reminds us of Christ, that Christ's death on the cross restores our purity. Your purity can be restored at the cross. You say, no, my snow's dirty. You don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know how bad I've been. And my answer is, it doesn't matter. In your worst, in your absolute worst, Jesus does not come and whisper condemnation in your ear. If you're hearing that, it's not Jesus. Jesus whispers in your ear, in the middle of your worst, I died for that. He says, I make all things new. You can be a new creation in Christ. Clean before God. That's what the white reminds us of. I can be white and pure as new fallen snow. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Here's how we talked about Isaiah, that prophet. Here's how he said in Isaiah 1. Though your sins are like scarlet, red, as bad as could be, I will make them white as snow. That's what God says. It doesn't matter how bad they are. I can make them white as snow. Do you see how important Christmas is? The baby that we worship in the manger made it possible through his perfection for us to be clean before God. Sins forgiven. White as snow. We can have abundant lives and realize who we were created to be. All because Jesus gives us what we can't give ourselves. And then the candy cane... The candy cane can be broken to remind us that Jesus' body was broken. Table and break it. You know how hard it was to find a big one like this? I can't do it. <laughs> but let me ask this. Anybody here right now, when you got your candy cane, it was already broken? Anyone? In the first service, we had a couple that were already broken. You're a good sermon illustration. I didn't have to break my big one. You see... It reminds me of something, too, when I was a kid. For a couple years, um, we didn't have a lot of money, different kind of home situation, but um, for a couple years, we had Christmas stockings. You know, the, not, I mean, I got socks for Christmas a couple times, but that's not what I'm talking about. That kind, I'm talking about the kind that you hang up and you put stuff in, you know, that have your name on it. I saw a great picture this week. Craig Grishel, who's the pastor at Life Church, his wife, Amy, 
went to one of these places where you, f- you fill out the thing on the computer and, and they make the, the really cool Christmas sock for you and give it to her. And has a picture of her holding her sock. And he says, guess what she put in the blank that says, um, would you like a name written, embroidered on your sock? And you know what was on her sock? No thanks. Because <laughs> that's what she put in the butt. Would you like a name embroidered? No thanks. <laughs> so they embroidered no thanks. Mine didn't say no thanks on it. I think it probably said Tim, but who knows. But here's what I remember about that. The first year we got these, these cool little um, uh, Lifesaver books that you opened up and it had oh, like 10 rows of Lifesavers in it. We only got that one year because they were too expensive. The next year we got candy canes because they were cheap. And we got a couple, for a couple years, we got candy canes. Here's what I, as I thought back on it, I realized I never got a candy cane in my stocking that wasn't broken, ever. But I have an older brother and a younger brother. Theirs were never broken. And I got to thinking of this, and I'm pretty sure that they would get up before me and look and say, oh, mine's broke. Oh, look, Tim's not. (laughs) And switch. I don't know that for sure. I just know that I always got a broken one. But it reminds me, they're very easily broken. They, they can get crushed. Never forget that Jesus Christ was willing to be crushed for you. When Emmanuel, God with us, when God became man, he came for the purpose of being broken so you could be blessed. In some of his last conversations during his earthly ministry, as he was preparing his disciples, he was going to die very soon. Here's what he said. 1 Corinthians 11. Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, right before that whole thing started, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. Whatever you came in with, whatever you're struggling with, whatever thing is there that you might not share with anybody, maybe in the middle of that, you've wondered, does God really love me? He loves you enough to be broken for you. In fact, when you ask the question, Jesus, how much do you love me? You know what he does? He stretches out his arms like this on the cross and says, I love you this much. doesn't matter what you've done. He willingly gave up all of his to be crushed and broken for you so that you could have a restored relationship with God and an abundant life forgiven of your past, meaning and purpose in life today, a living hope for the future. Blessed. Because he was broken. I have a suggestion. If you know Jesus, if you've, if you've trusted and believed into Jesus, then when you do whatever kind of gathering you do for Christmas, whether it's a great big one or whether it's just a little teeny one or you and somebody else, when you gather, whether it's Christmas Eve, day tomorrow, or Christmas on Tuesday, what if you did this? You'll feel weird. It will feel awkward, but you'll be glad you did it. At the end of the meal, whether it's a big meal or a little meal, doesn't matter. At the end of the meal, what if you got just a little piece of bread 
and a little juice. And you gave thanks. And you remembered that Jesus came to be broken for you. He bled and died for you. And you remembered that this Christmas and gave him thanks. Remember, the, the reason that he came this Christmas was to give his life for you. And just in that way, he has us remember that, say, thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth and being broken on our behalf. The reason we celebrate his birth is that he was willing to be broken so we could be blessed. The candy cane is also hard candy, which is why if I banged it on the table, it would break. It's hard candy to remind us if we follow the teachings of Jesus, our lives are built on a rock-solid foundation. See, candy canes could have been made from something squishy like gummy worms, or like, but they're hard. We talked about how we're crooked and bent and broken, and we are. But we also know this. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's our world that's so tough and difficult. And the storms of life surround us, and the wind and the rains crash into us and it can just crush our spirits. Anybody been there? Maybe you have a really hard time feeling good about yourself and things right now. Maybe you feel like you just can't handle things anymore. It's just too hard. It's too tough. It's too difficult. And then Jesus comes along and he says, you know, if you will base your life on the rock solid foundation." That is my teaching. You can handle anything. And the bottom line, whether you can handle it or not, all depends on what you're built on, what the foundation is. Here's how Jesus says it in Matthew 7. Everyone who hears my words, and you need to hear them, but that's not enough. Everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. That's harder you got to dig down to bedrock. you got to find the solid ground. He said, you build your house on the rock. It rained hard. The floods came. The winds blew and hit that house, but it did not fall because it was built on rock. You see, most people, even if they're followers of Jesus, would usually agree, even if they're not followers of Jesus, they'd usually agree, yeah, Jesus, pretty wise man. Pretty amazing. We've all these years, and they, they will admit that he's a wise, a wise person. But they never study him. They never actually read the Bible to find out what he says. You see, you can withstand and overcome all of the storms life throws at you if you're built on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus' teachings. He wants you to get to know him. That's why he came that first Christmas. That's why he became a man. So we could relate to him and get to know him. So you could have a personal relationship with him and be built on a solid foundation so the storms of life don't crush you. So what if, what if starting now, this Christmas season, instead of just saying, yep, Jesus is a smart guy, what if you actually started seeking him? What if you actually started reading the Bible and getting to know him? better. And then, this one I have a little bit of trouble with, and I'll explain why. 
The candy cane's taste is good to remind us that we can trust that God is good. This amazing peppermint flavor. This is where I have a little struggle with this. I don't like candy canes. <laughs> I like peppermint. I mean, I could live on Altoids, which are all peppermint. I just, I think it's because they were always broken my Christmas stocking and I have this bad memory of candy canes. You might not see it from where you're at, but the end of this, the, the plastic is actually peeled away because I, t I tasted mine early this week because I was hoping that now I would finally like it. <laughs> I kind of don't though. But here's the thing. That's how, that's how some people see Jesus that he's not really something positive or good. They wouldn't necessarily say it out loud, but they believe he is just here as kind of a, a cosmic killjoy with all the rules and laws and regulations to make sure that they don't have a good time. That's how too many people think of him. Here's what you need to know. That's not who God is. That's not good news. You know what that is? Fake news. I know fake news when I see it. Fake news is that Jesus is out to hurt or stifle or hold you back. No. He's here to bless you. Jesus loves you absolutely. No matter what. I said earlier, in your worst, in your worst mistakes worst sins, your worst screw-ups. Right there, Jesus whispered in your ear, I died for that. I'm still with you. I still want to help you. I still want to bless you. This next verse, I love this verse from Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, the relationship that I have with Jesus after walking with him for over 40 years now, when I, when, I, when I look at that relationship, I have absolutely no problem telling someone, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good because I know he is. When I finally did that all those years ago, I learned that when I followed him, when I came to know him better by spending time with him in his word every day, by enjoying him, by obeying him, I could see that he really was good. He was always good. And you need to know that he is good and he is for you. The final thing, the candy cane is a gift. It must be unwrapped to be enjoyed. Right? I mean, they don't taste good to me anyhow, but they taste even worse if they're not unwrapped. <laughs> so we gave you this, this gift. I, I, I have a it's kind of a confession. I already confessed it to the elders. I looked for candy canes a couple weeks ago to find candy canes because I wanted to give you all a candy cane. 
I had found these little ones, you know, they're about this tall, individually wrapped candy canes, and I could get them from Amazon because that's where all of the good cheap stuff is. And, and Julie comes along and she says, seriously, it's like this tall. She says, go big or go home, man. So I started looking for this size candy cane. Kind of expensive on Amazon to buy that many, but I couldn't find them anywhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking through Walmart because I do that three, four times a day, whether I need to or not. I'm walking through Walmart, and a display had just been set up. It was like this big and this tall, and it was all these boxes, and all of the outer boxes um, were peeled open, and they were candy canes, like peanut butter banana candy cane or, you know... <laughs> licorice almond or something. I had all these weird flavors like, yeah, that's not going to work. It's got to be peppermint. And as I was walking by, I looked and there was a box on the bottom, not open yet, but underneath it said peppermint. It's like, oh. So I look and they come in a little box with 12 and then each of the boxes held 24, I think, 20 or 24, something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to go big or go home, I could get like three or four of those boxes. And we'd get like 700 candy canes, and, and God is going to bring a lot of people here, and it's going to be exciting. So I asked, uh, and they said, well, these are ordered a year in advance, so when they're gone, they're gone. So what you need to do is you need to go to customer service, and you need to tell them what you want, and somebody from the back will come out, and blah, blah, blah. So I went, talked to this person, and he says, well, there's none left in the back. It's only what's out here. Um, so he comes out with his cart, and he had to completely undo the display that he had just done took like 20 minutes. I felt bad. Not too bad, but a little bit. And he's, he's moving all the boxes, and he found four full boxes of the peppermint ones. So I'm thinking, I'm going all four. We're, we're doing this. They, I put them in my cart. I go up, and the lady now is trying to ring them up because there's so many of them. She's trying to figure out how to do it. And so she gets the first box done. She's getting the second box done. I don't know which box she was on when I looked at the box, and I realized, oh, that's really interesting. All the funny flavored ones have like 12 or 24 in a box. The peppermint ones have 36. So I'm like, I'm doing the math. It's like, I just bought 1,728 candy canes. (laughs) God, I don't know what you have planned, but we're going to be ready for it. Went and apologized to the elders. You know, it's always better to ask forgiveness instead of permission. So that's what I did. I actually had somebody after the first service say, they come up to me afterwards, they work there at Walmart. She said, that's funny. She says, we were actually discussing and wondering why we ran out of peppermint candy canes so soon (laughs) this year. It's like, oops, (laughs) kind of my fault. But we wanted to give you, it's a cheap little gift. I understand that. But it reminds us of God's gift. And God's gift wasn't cheap. And it wasn't easy. But it's not enough that it's a gift. To enjoy it, you actually have to unwrap it and eat it, which you can do later. That's perfectly fine. But you know what? That's how a lot of people are with Jesus. They would say, yep, I know. Jesus came to earth. I know that. Yep, Jesus died. I know that. There is a huge difference between knowledge and actually trusting yourself completely to Jesus alone. Those are completely different things. What if this year, 
What if this Christmas season you really trusted Christ and Christ alone this Christmas with your life? Not just knew about Him, but actually put your trust in Him completely. What if the Christmas story became your story? God with us. God with you. It's super simple. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. Here's what it says. God loved the world so much that he what? He gave. That's Christmas. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes, and that's not, oh yeah, I believe that. It's not knowledge. That's not what that word means. It's believe, it's pistuo, it means, that's the Greek word, you don't need to know that. It means this, it means you put your trust into something. You don't just say, yeah, I believe that. You actually put your trust into that. When it says you believe in him, it literally means into him. You're putting your trust, you're putting all your eggs in that basket and saying, I believe, I receive. I am trusting in Jesus that what he did on that cross was for me. And it says, when you believe in him, you will not be lost, but have eternal life. What if the gift that you gave this Christmas was giving yourself, all of yourself, to Jesus? Not just religion, not just coming to church. What if you gave yourself to Jesus this year? If you trusted your everything to Him, it means you wouldn't be lost. It means you would have eternal life, and that doesn't just mean heaven someday. It starts now. He came so that you would not just have life, but that you would have abundant life, life to the fullest starting now. Maybe you're here today and you say, that sounds good. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because you say it seems too simple. It really is that simple. Never claimed Maybe hearing this, you realize that you believed the facts, but you've never claimed Jesus as Savior and put your trust in Him. In simple faith, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I am trusting that what you said was true. I'm putting my trust in you today. I'm giving all that I know and understand about myself to all that I understand about you today. And I'm trusting you. Father, anybody who's struggling today, anybody who's wondering if they are loved today, I pray that they would hear you whispering in their ears saying, I love you enough to die for you. I came for you that first Christmas so that I could be broken so that you could be blessed. And that in simple faith, they would turn to you. Father, thank you. And my prayer is that anybody who has not done that would, in simple faith, turn it all to you and trust Jesus alone. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In a few minutes, we're going to do what we do every Christmas, and we're going to do Silent Night by Candlelight.